Good morning. The scripture today is from the Gospel of Matthew and Mark. You were the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You were the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and as it gives light to everyone in the house, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter, remembering the word Jesus had spoken to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. This is the word of God. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word that has been read, that we may absorb it into our own lives and hear the words that way that you would want us to hear, that we can order our lives and our lives to serve you. In Christ's name, amen. Years ago in a small Pennsylvania town, people were so excited they were getting ready to build a new civic building. They were so exciting. It's going to be red brick and all shiny, a firehouse as well. Well, once they got this, the pride of the city built, then things began to happen. The doors wouldn't shut properly. They didn't pay attention to that. Then all of a sudden, the windows would not close. And then they started noticing along the walls, there were long, big cracks. Now, if you've lived in South Texas long, you recognize what we're talking about. And then the front door would not lock. So they knew they were in really trouble. So an intense investigation showed that way, way far away, several miles, there was underground mining going on, and that mining caused trouble and was moving the dirt close to the Civic Center. It was undergirding and breaking up the foundation of that beautiful place, a place that they had spent so much time working on and lived for and was so proud of, had to be condemned. So you see, sometimes in our personal life, that's a way compromise is, as well as in the church. 
things happen just a little bit at a time. I call it rationalization. We put one foot in the world and the other following Christ. But this triggers, just like in this building, and our foundation on Jesus Christ, a series of events that will erode, if you will, our following of Jesus. This could happen in our personal life, but in our community, as well as in the church. So people in, that once were staunch Christians, stable, reliable, strong, we're literally falling apart. Something to remember when we think of our house in the temple. Now, I am not talking about relationships between husband and wife, friends, daughters, sons, friends. There's times we have to compromise. We have to think of those things for two reasons, because sometimes we just have to give in, right? And the other times, we cannot be the person that God intended us to be if we can't say who we are in God. Jesus Christ, we have unique gifts, things to offer. We cannot develop as a follower of Jesus Christ unless we are allowed to show those individual traits that we have. Nations would not get along, couldn't even coexist, much lit, like live in peace. Now, it's, it, it's helpful for us to distinguish about personal things, our culture, if you will, the way we grew up and in the community helps us define what our convictions are. Uh, and also it, but Bible convictions cannot be compromised. They are based on biblical truths that God has set down for us. The way that we are lived our life and emulate the life of Jesus Christ now, we are in a time of Lent, and Lent simply is a time of reflection, of self-examination. And walking along with Jesus during this time, when he walked the last days on this earth, when he was getting ready to go be judged, beaten, and die on the cross for each of us. Because if that weren't so, we would not have, on the other side, Easter Sunday, when we talk about the empty tomb. But first, we have to go through some things with Jesus. So a time of self-examination is empty for us sometimes. But sometimes we start thinking about it. And yes, there are things in our lives that we need to look at. I know there's times that things that Trudy Paul needs to look at. And how many times have you been so excited about serving Jesus? When you say, I'm all in. And as I said in the first service, a couple of teenagers were here. Teenagers had the couple of them that had the shirts. Most of them, right? Virginia says, I'm all in. Well, they were all in for Jesus Christ. We can't keep one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity. It just does not work. We never intended to let the world come in. And you ever stop to think, and maybe more so in this last year during the pandemic, uh, that we could go around the world on the TV, most of them hang on the wall now, to go past, you could see the world and what's going on in the world in a very few minutes. But you also see, see a lot of other things that the world has to offer. 
You see all the new things, all, all the bright, shiny cars. You see all the beautiful homes, all the, the clothing, all the things that, that the young people want, the old people want, people that have money, people that don't have money, but it's all there in front of us. And we have to choose which we have and which we want, choosing the things of the world. I never, like Peter, as we were talking about, meant to change or choose things were not right. And we'll go into that in a few minutes. But he was warming himself at the fire. And as you heard the scripture about Peter, perhaps we'll do some comparison. We never mean to deny Jesus. We never mean to deny Jesus. Peter didn't mean to deny Jesus. But I deny Jesus many times when I don't spend the time in my Bible like I should. I let the world creep in and those things that are in the world draw my attention more than that perhaps. Or in the time of solitude and listening to what God has to say to me. Or moreover talking so much to God that I don't hear what he's saying to me. By getting so busy even with good things that I don't take time to fellowship with other believers. That I don't take time to get busy in a Bible study or sometimes want to sleep in. Now that's one thing I don't do on Sunday morning is sleep in. I can tell you that. But sometimes it has been tempting in my life. The values of our cultures are not neutral. And often and most often they do not coincide with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now and I'm not here to say that God doesn't want us to have things. This isn't about God wanting us to be poor and not have things. He wants us to be in the center of his will. He wants us to turn our lives over to him to where he can govern, if you will, and guide our lives through prayer, compromising things in our heart. Sometimes when we allow Jesus to come into our hearts and help us make those decisions are very, very different. He wants to bless us. He wants us to be productive. You know, there's about, uh, I think they said 120 million people that call themselves Christians going to church. Just like we are today. But they say about 15 million of those people only draw their resources from the church, but only 15 million do not say that their success equates to worldly possessions. So we stop to think about that. As Paul said, we are to be in this world and not of this world. And this Paul, Trudy Paul says, that's a hard place to be. We're always straddling the fence, aren't we? Because we're among that. Compromise. Compromise. Did Peter compromise? As in the scripture, this one of the servant girls of the high priest came by and he was warming himself by the fire. And she gets up. Are you one of those guys? Aren't you one of those guys that was with Jesus? Oh, no. 
You're mistaken, I don't know anything about him, and kept warming. Probably feeling uncomfortable, thought he would move to another place not to be noticed, went to the entryway. And they went back by again. And some mother said, yeah, you're, you're, you're one of those guys. You are one of the guys that was with Jesus. I know you're a Galilean. And then the whole story is that he began to curse. And he said, I never knew him. Now, we not stand by the fire like Peter did perhaps in dirty sandals over 2,000 years ago, warming ourselves. But still in this day and time, how do we deny Jesus? By not serving him, by not reading his word, as we said, not listening to what he would say. We know the examples of the world sometimes, and they just do not fit with what God would have us to do. It causes problems in households. It causes problems within marriages. We call them desperate households, when people are trying to come together on their own, trying to compromise. But when we turn our lives over to Jesus Christ, he guides us through our hearts to be able to say the right things and to do the right things. It's not comfortable to follow Jesus at a distance. Have you ever tried to do that? I have. One foot in the world and one foot with Jesus. It is not a comfortable place to be. It's not the right place to be because we simply do not fit. And when we don't fit, then we're not happy. We're not joyful. And Jesus wants all of us to be joyful, productive, and blessed. Have you ever said to Jesus, things I want to give up? are the things that you need to give up. I, I only know, for me, that's enough. What I need to change or give up in my life or something I may need to take on at this time of Lent. But self-examination is such an important part of what we are here for this time before Easter. Compromise always leads to denial. Rationalization leads to denial. If I were to see any of you out on the street, if you were to see me out on the street of what I'm doing, would you know if, whether I was a Christian or not? Would I know if you were Christian, Tom? How would I know any of you would be a Christian, Joe? It's not about how we dress. It is not what we drive. It's not where we live. It's how we act, what's in our hearts that we have allowed Jesus to come into. I've said this, so you can put your fingers in your ears. If you've been in my classes before, I've said this many times, but I need to say it again. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? really couldn't tell when you're out in public, right? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? 
So it has to come from the heart of what Jesus wants us to be. That's where we tell the difference. And I was thinking about, I was downtown not too long ago. And if you've been downtown, everything's torn up. And I had to go down two or three streets that I was not familiar with to get to the one that I needed to be on. And I saw people sitting out on the curbs with blankets with small children. And it just really touched my heart. That's not in my neighborhood, so I don't think about it a lot. We do things for that. But in our heart, God touches. He says, I want you to do things to let you shine through for me. Jesus wants us to die to self. That sounds hard, doesn't it? That we just want to live for Jesus. Another symptom of compromise is when we start to go incognito. I'll go in the group. I don't look any different than they do. Nobody will notice. I'll blend in a little. But we don't feel comfortable doing. Or have you tried it? You don't want to feel comfortable because as the world seeps in and takes away that joy, we are very uncomfortable with that. We can't blend in when we really know Jesus Christ. We can't blend in with the things of the world and what's important to Jesus. Not Really, God is not concerned. He really isn't concerned if the world likes us or not. Now, that's a hard one for me. I don't know about you guys, but I like to be liked. And I love people. But sometimes they just don't fit where we're going and what's going on in our lives. So we have to be earnest about what God wants from us, what he would have for us to do. Because sometimes we have just enough exposure to Jesus to be miserable. Have you ever been there? I'd like to spend some money for this, but I should do this. But that really doesn't happen when we turn our lives totally over to Jesus, when we're all in. You see, God wants us to be lifted up. He wants to lift each of us up so he can be seen through us. That he can be seen through us. It's not about being salt, worn out salt. It's being the salt of the earth and the light on the hill. But it's a light in our community, sometimes even in our own church and around the world that lights up other people's lives that do not know Jesus Christ and have no hope of anything. That he can let that light shine through us. That he can allow that light to shine through us so we can touch other people's lives for him and be the example that he needs in this world. They find the truth of Jesus Christ. And we simply cannot do that with one foot in the world and one trying to live for Jesus Christ. Remember the house. 
remember the Civic Center, how beautiful, and it didn't take long to destroy it. And there are five reasons that, that I have, you've probably come up with more, why people compromise. It's usually, uh, it involves material gain, not always. It's a selfish act, and there's something to gain physically by compromising, whether it's monetary, social, or simply avoiding conflict. Kind of gets us usually on the last one, avoiding conflict, doesn't it? Family ties. Failure to do so will you know, alienate or strain relationships with families and friends. We don't want to do anything to rock the boat, do we? We like the status quo. Ah, this is a big one for me. I had to learn for years. I had to take classes on this one. How a desire to, to avoid confrontation. That's really hard. A desire to, to, to avoid confrontation. Usually it's a good thing if you can do that. But if it means compromising what your beliefs are, what you think God wants you to do, what you walk with Christ to emulate his life on this earth, then you have to have confrontation and many times confronting even family members. A lack of faith. I've often said I have no doubt in my life that Jesus Christ can raise me from the dead. But sometimes I don't have enough faith to say, can you help me with this problem? Because I don't take the time to do that. Our time, look at your calendars, look at your finances, and see how closely you walk with the Lord. That's what I do, and sometimes I'm way off. And I have to get way back on track again. Because you see, there's no doubt that I know where I will be going. But I don't take the time sometimes to listen, to turn myself over, say, God, help me with these small decisions. Help me not be of the world, but help me make the right ones. And there's ways to avoid compromise. Be aware of what compromise is. You may not even recognize it in your own lives. To avoid sinful compromise, you must clearly understand what it is and how it happens. Identify the steps where you are most vulnerable. Now, that takes some time. That was a hard one for me to identify the steps to say where we were most vulnerable. Shout boundaries ahead of time. I do that well. I've worked on that for many years, and I've taught it for many years, and I still slip, but I see some people grinning down there. Setting boundaries, I work hard at that. Yes, I know, I set boundaries. Staying in or getting out of the habit of studying God's word in personal study because I'm just too busy doing good things, I forget to go and study God's word, to listen to what other people say that God is telling them, to be uplifted by that, and to be with a group of believers and come together in corporate worship on Sunday morning. 
And Luke 16, 13 says, you cannot serve God and money at the same time. That doesn't mean there's something against money. You cannot serve it. God loves to bless us. He loves for us to have things, but he wants us to not to compromise in our heart what he wants us to do and him to tell us and show us the way to spend our funds, spend our time, so we will be blessed and be exactly what he wants. His mirror, if you will, on this earth and where his light can shine through as he raises us up. That is what he wants. And I tell you, people, I can't do it on my own, and I doubt if you can't. We're all very selfish people. So we need to depend on Jesus Christ to tell us exactly what we are to do, and that's staying in a close relationship. I've told this story before, but I think it's very appropriate again. A new preacher had come to town, and this was a small town, Tom, when they went around knocking on doors. And there was a young family, a, a young single woman with a little boy. And he went in and introduced himself and how much she needed to come to church and how much he would love to have her there and bring her little boy. And, of course, they had no transportation. But the little boy, as many excited little kids would do, was pulling on his coat and said, can I go to church with you? Because he'd been talking about the love of God. Maybe he hadn't heard many words of love. I don't know. Can I go to church with you? And I imagine he really bugged him. And the preacher said, yeah, I'll, I'll come by and pick you up. So as a child listened to the sermon that day, he heard the love of God. He heard how much God loved him and how Jesus Christ died for him on the cross. That's what this little boy heard. And then all of a sudden, they started passing this tray or this basket, and he saw people putting money in it. Well, he didn't know what to do. He got really nervous. And he said, but, but I don't have anything. And he kept looking in his pockets. And he had heard the preacher say that God loves you. God made you. And the little boy was no longer embarrassed. He was no longer fidgety. And he stood up and he took the offering basket and he stepped inside of it. And he said, here I am. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. That's what Jesus Christ wants. <coughs> Excuse me. That's what he wants from each of us. But we cannot do it on our own. We have to listen to him and not be compromised by the world and the things in the world. We see them, but not to be compromised. The disciples had the privilege of living with Jesus. I've often thought about that as I've watched some things, and I, and I have to say I look at their oily hair and their dirty clothes and their dirty feet and their sandals and 
what it must have been like over 2,000 years ago, how they traveled through the dusty areas with very little to eat, but people always welcoming them. We are different and our society is different today as we welcome Jesus in our lives, but the message is still the same. The message is still the same that he wants all of us. He was never angry with Peter. He forgave Peter. No matter what we've done, how much we've turned away from God, he still wants us back. He still wants us to be that shining light to others. Sometimes the disciples did not recognize Jesus. But sometimes we don't recognize Jesus, do we? Because we're so busy being caught up by the world. They had Jesus then in the person. We do not, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Every bit as strong as Jesus talking to them. If we just listen to what he has to say. Not following by a distance, but by following in his word. Now, if we are to avoid compromise, we have to respect God's word as it is. Because remember, our habits, our conditioning, the world can pull us away. But God's word will lead us through Jesus Christ in the way that we should be. The person he wishes us to become. The person he reaches out his hands to each of us to serve him so he can be glorified. If we are to avoid compromise, that's basically what we have to do. It's indestructible, unchangeable, pure, and purely understandable because that is what truth is and that's how truth works. You see, Christ never took his eyes off the cross. He never looked at the world. I don't know where we would be today had he done that. As his last days on earth, as we talk about Lent now, as he walked to the cross, he never forgot about you. He never forgot about me and all those to come. Offered by his death and his resurrection, a birth for us to have salvation, to live with him forever. If we think about it in those words, I think it's pretty powerful, isn't it? The world doesn't seem so strong, but we've got to stay in the center of his will or we're distracted very easily. Because Jesus did not compromise, we have the empty tomb giving us salvation, love, mercy, and grace. And the next time Satan starts knocking at your door, as he did Jesus in the wilderness, and you want to depend on him, why don't you say, Jesus, would you get that for me? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.